A special thanks goes out to the folks at Anchor.fm for bringing you this podcast. Coming to you almost live, it's time once again for Tom Reads Your Story, the podcast that reads from your social media posts, online articles, and sometimes a surprise or two. So let's start the show. I'm your host, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. Welcome, everyone. I'm Tom Zania. We'll have your words from social media and much more right after these important announcements. Do you need a good professional sound for your podcast? I'm Tom Zania voice actor and podcast host of Tom Reads Your Story. I can give you the sound you're looking for for your podcast intros and advertisements at the price and turnaround you need. So don't hesitate and send me a message at TomReadYourStory at Yahoo.com. The afterlife is not at all what Jack Duffy had expected. A failed suicide attempt launches him into a world that tests his abilities. In this world, he learns more about himself after a lifetime of horrific decisions. The Borrowed Soul, written by Paul B. Kohler and narrated by Tom Zania. Listen to this incredible book by visiting audible.com. And we are back. Welcome back, you regular listeners to Tom Read Your Story. I'm Tom Zania. Well, you you know that by now. So welcome back, you regular listeners. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. Don't be scared. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's no monsters here. There's no uh, uh, crazy people walking around slashing people with a with a razor like on the C-train. No, none of that. Just listen to what I have to say. Well, what we here at Tom Reads Your Story have to say, and that is reading some fine postings on Facebook and other social media, if I ever find any, and some other things too. Articles from magazines, usually those are online. But you'll find a a friend here, and that friend is me. I'd like to say uh, you'll find lots of friends here. I don't know. I'm sure I have lots of friends who listen, and that's a good thing. But I'm your friend here for this 20 minutes to a half hour. And you can listen to some very nice writing from some very nice people who contribute their time and energy uh, unbeknownst to themselves in that I'm taking what they're writing and putting it on my podcast, sometimes without asking. And and that's basically it. It's, uh, it's a place where you can learn about what other people are thinking, saying, doing, And it's a good time to be had by all. 
And if you if this is your first time and you listen and you don't like it, fine. I, I'm not going to block the door. If you don't like it, don't listen. But if you do and you keep coming back, that's a good thing because that's that means we're all doing this together. That means was that means it's like a big party. And there's nothing wrong with a big party. So anyway, today I was going to interview Garrison Keeler and he got stuck in traffic and his phone died, so he will not be on the show. But what we will be doing is playing some of his writings from his website. Now, I have to interject that I always used to listen, and I say used to in a kind of in a sad way because I haven't heard it lately. I used to listen to a Prairie Home Companion on NPR almost religiously every Saturday. And Garrison, I guess you could say retired or just quit or whatever, but he's not on the show anymore. And a new host came on and for whatever reason, I stopped listening. I don't know that, that it had anything to do with a new host or anything like that, but uh, I, I stopped following the show. And lately, my brother Joe has posted a few of Garrison Keeler's writings, which I believe are from his website. Or maybe somewhere else. I'm not sure. But he's posted them on Facebook, and they're really very good. And today, since Garrison will not be able to make it, um, I'm going to be playing another recording that I made of Here I Am. Here I Am was the first thing that my brother Joe posted, and he just posted another one called Don't Know What's Wrong, But It's Okay, of course, by Garrison Keeler. And... I think you're going to like these. I love the way Garrison Keeler comments on life and, and uh, you know, the whole Lake Wobegon is like an every place. You know how we have stories that are, that are labeled as an every man type of story? Well, Lake Wobegon is like an every place. Your hometown, wherever that hometown is. It could be in Cleveland. It could be in Owensboro, Kentucky. It could be in College Station, Texas. It could be in New York. I don't know how I thought of College Station, Texas, but I did. Anyway, let's begin with Here I Am. The world is not my home. But here I am. My favorite word today is unsubscribe, and I've been online clicking it on dozens of emails asking for my cash contributions to their battle in behalf of the good, the true, and the beautiful, which one wants to support, but once you do, 
Your name is transmitted to other righteous causes. And now I'm getting appeals from folks running for city council in Omaha and a group petitioning Congress to outlaw the internal combustion engine, the chance of which is less than slight. So I subscribe. And instead, I gave to a soup kitchen raising money for school supplies for indigent kids. How could I say no? A nice red book bag, notebooks, pencils, a sharpener, a ruler, the same stuff I treasured when I started school. I loved school. I come from fundamentalist people, and every year they asked that I be excused from square dancing in gym class so that I would not be tempted by carnal pleasure. But still... They didn't object to my reading secular literature, such as Webster's Unabridged Dictionary. They were gentle people, not like the bearded men with machine guns riding through the streets of Kabul, or the American Mujahideen sacking the Capitol in January, or Mr. Roseberry in his black pickup parked in front of the Library of Congress Thursday, claiming to have explosives enough to destroy whole city blocks. Finally. He had to pee, and he surrendered. Republicans are in control of provincial capitals in Florida, Texas, Tennessee, Utah, but here in Manhattan, we feel far away from the fundamentalists. We have plenty of Orthodox Jews on the Upper West Side, but they don't come into St. Michael's and try to make Episcopal women wear head coverings. The buses run on Saturdays. Linguini in clam sauce is available in many restaurants. But the collapse of Kabul sends a clear message. Liberal values lack the dramatic emotional appeal of faith-based cruelty. Liberalism is weak tea when up against men with rifles who operate on divine guidance. Liberalism is basically neighborliness, and it lacks the satisfactions of ferocity. I'm an old liberal, and I do think that America has been spared a great deal of trouble by the fact that so much hostility that might go into terrorism is expended instead on competitive sports. Christians aren't influenced by the Sunday sermon so much as by the NFL game afterward. The sacking of the quarterback repeated in slow-mo, his arm up to pass, and three behemoths hit him amidships, and the helmet flies off, and he crumples to the turf, a broken man, thus our lust for violence is sated. The Yankees beat the Red Sox in three straight games this week, and thereby satisfy the hormonal urges of a half million men who otherwise might drive down Amsterdam Avenue in pickups, waving guns, attacking the Red Cross and Red Lobster running down people, displaying red articles of clothing, yelling at people to show their underwear, and anyone wearing red gets depantsed. No, it was very civil. The American heartland was once a hotbed of religious intolerance. And then, Jim Naismith invented basketball, and now in Kansas and Iowa, and all through mid-America, it has taken the place of Protestantism. If the American military had spent 20 years and billions of dollars building ice arenas in Afghanistan and teaching Afghans to skate and play hockey, the outcome would have been quite different. Women's hockey is a revelation. 
We old fundies grow up seeing women as Sunday school teachers and mommies and caregivers, and then you go see them in helmets and shoulder pads, carrying sticks, and you see that they do not shy away from belting each other hard enough to rattle their molars. Women are capable of ferocity, and once they've tasted the pleasures of aggression, they do not lie down and submit to bullying. I look at the beards in burnooses, holding rifles and ammo belts, and I doubt that the Taliban can put the cap back on the bottle now that it's been opened. The Middle Ages is a long, long time ago. While the beards were holed up in the mountains for twenty years, many of those women were studying engineering, learning how to make the wheels turn and the power flow. Some women became ophthalmologists. You need vision, men. Let them help you. Isn't that nice? The uh, the one thing I do remember about a prairie home companion, besides Garrison, of course, reading uh, the latest from Lake Wobegon, is a person in the cast of actors on the show whose name is Sue Scott. Now, Sue Scott is based in Minneapolis. She is a terrific voice actor who's done many, many things, and you probably have never heard the name before, but you would probably recognize the voice in commercials or any amount of audio media. Uh, Sue Scott, terrific voice actor, who was a regular cast member of A Prairie Home Companion. Now, whether or not she still is, I don't know, because like I said, I've lost track of the show, and I have not even heard it or have any idea what time it's broadcast. But uh, that's definitely a person to to uh, listen to some old episodes of the show with, is Sue Scott. She's wonderful. And, um, oops, excuse that noise. This is, the next one is called Don't Know What's Wrong, But It's Okay. It's a little bit like uh, the angst of the the one you heard previously uh, from Garrison Keillor, of course. And here it is. Don't Know What's Wrong, But It's Okay by Garrison Keillor. I am enjoying being an old man, and I wonder why I didn't get here sooner. There are benefits to being 79 that I would have appreciated in my late 30s. I look at the stories on the front page of the paper and I think, not my problem. And the latest NMP is the shortage of goods due to shipping backlogs. Firefighters lined up for miles waiting to unload. Docks piled high with containers. Factory production slowed due to lack of parts coming from China. Building projects halted. Dire situations. 
workers idle, confusion, dismay, and here we sit, Madame and I, with the opposite problem. Too much stuff. Need to give it away. We have about twenty big dinner plates and twenty small plates, and when was the last time we sat eighteen guests down to dinner in this little apartment? Not since Jesus was in the third grade. I have eight suits in my closet. When did I last get dressed up? The number of unread books on our shelves would sink a pontoon boat. And why the whiskey glasses? Nobody in this household drinks whiskey. Neither do our guests. They're all left-wing liberals, and whiskey, in case you didn't know it, has become politicized and is now reserved for patriots who are out to stop the steal. I wish they'd steal our whiskey glasses. Two trillionaires, Bezos and Musk, are trying to fly into outer space, but you can get away from Earth quite cheaply simply by heading for 80 and 85 when a person starts to feel himself floating in the clouds, unconcerned with so much of what's going on, such as those hundreds of cars moving at five miles per hour down the distant freeway at 7.30 a.m., honking, angry. What is going on with those people? What's all the fuss about? The controversy in Nashville over the need for country music to create spaces of healing and equity for people of all identities and to fight oppression of minority points of view, which sprang up after the first non-binary musicians were featured on the Grand Old Opry, was interesting, but not my problem. I love the songs I love, and for me, country music hit a peak with Loretta Lynn's don't come home a-drinkin' with lovin' on your mind. Which was Loretta's statement of empowerment and anti-oppression in hopes of changing lives and challenging patterns of discrimination so as to bring about evolution of behavior and clearly stating a moral imperative in order to liberate herself from systems of oppression to bring about a sense of authentic belonging and promoting values of mutual respect as an effective tool for social justice rather than perpetuate a structure of male privilege in daily life and mitigate its effects. The two non-binary singers, Morgan Newton and Oliver Penn, are demanding that Nashville issue a mission statement pledging to engage in anti-oppressive and anti-inclusivistic musical storytelling that fights intolerance and cultural appropriation. But the way to change the world isn't to demand change. It's to write a terrific song as Loretta did. They say that Waylon Jennings' Rainy Day Woman tolerates a structure of male privilege, and maybe it does, but it's a great song. You disagree, then go write a better one. The Beatles' first big hit, Please Please Me, was exclusionary and disempowering and built on a structure of exploitation, but their harmonies on the line, come on, come on, come on, come on, made the song irresistible. I want to hold your hand, never considered whether the hand, which presumably belonged to a woman, wanted to be held, and the line, when I touch you, I feel happy inside, doesn't consider whether she, or them or it, 
feels happy inside. You might be offended by the male privilege that's made all too clear, but the song kept running through your head, including the falsetto, ooh, and that's the power of it. Anyway, it's an unjust and unequal and often oppressive world out there, and mission statements come flying like autumn leaves, and non-binary and non-triplicate and quasi-quadrennials struggle for their share of the sunlight. And in Norway, people are killing each other with bow and arrow, and the anger of those drivers on the freeway is almost palpable. And I feel sympathy for all of the troubled, but only some. Not a vast amount. I'm 79, and it's not my problem, people. My problem is this computer, which has a bad habit of suddenly going blank, and I've taken it to be fixed, and they told me confident. And, of course, um, that was more from Garrison Keillor, uh, writing in that vein of angst, and I'm so sick of whatever. Um, getting away from that kind of stuff well I shouldn't say that it's not that kind of stuff it's it's a prairie home companion a little celebration of of the work of Garrison Keillor but getting a a little off to the side here I um I I really love dogs and most of my friends and loved ones know that I really do. I don't have a dog because I don't believe it's right to have one in this big city if you don't have time to take care of it or room to take care of it. Uh, I don't have a significant other that I live with who can be there for the dog when the dog is in need of something, whatever, going outside. or um, So, no, I don't have a dog. I would like to someday have a dog. I talk to the dogs on the street. I say, oh, that little doggy. Hi. Hello. Sit. Sit. Does he sit? No? Okay. Well, that was a nice dog. It didn't bite me. And... Uh, Oh, I got I to gotta tell you this, too. Speaking of dogs, I've been looking for another apartment. After three months of living in Astoria, Queens, I have to move. Uh, and I won't get into why, at least not right now. But I have to move. And I saw an apartment with a guy, a nice kid, very nice kid. His name was Isaac, in Brooklyn, And I went in this place. There was a hole in the wall. And I looked. I tried to look through the hole to see the other side. And all of a sudden, a giant, uh, what do you call Not bulldogs. Pit bull. A giant pit bull charged right through the hole and started barking. (laughs) That kind of thing. And of course... Isaac was sort of laughing and, oh, it's just so-and-so. I, I forget the name of the dog, but it was, it was terrifying for me. And uh, I thought, well, 
I'm not going to live here. Uh, the place, it just was, it was just bad. I mean, it was gross and probably not big enough a room for me. This is the thing. Here at our uh, Tom Read Your Story studios in New York, we, you know, we really require a significant amount of space to put a show together every week. So, you know, I got to look for a nice place. And uh, I'm, I'm straying off the dog subject here. But anyway, what, I'm, what I want to say is there was an article, not an article, but a, a post in Facebook from a group called Golden Retrievers Club or Let's Hear It for Golden Retrievers. But it had to do with Golden Retrievers. And I joined that because they have these nice little stories and pictures about people's Golden Retrievers. And they're usually gorgeous dogs. And so incredibly uh, loving and friendly. But every once in a while, there's an obituary. And mostly I don't like to read those, but, you know, death is a part of life, I guess. So I'm going to play one for you about a person's dog named Tank. And, uh, well, here it is. Losing Tank from Golden Retrievers Club. Run with the angels, Tank. You are missed so much. 7-26-2008 to 10-9-2021. Tank was a good boy. No, he was the best boy. He was a champ at anything he tried and loved everyone he met. I grew up with him. He taught me many things, but he's my reason for loving animals the way that I do. He was full of love and kindness. I was four years old in my kindergarten class when my dad brought him into nap time, and everyone thought I was the coolest kid ever. I got a puppy and got to skip nap time. We went on many adventures together, from walking on many different trails and running through fields to going to get ice cream on special occasions. I have never met another dog like him in my life. I don't think I ever will. He was one of the reasons I stayed happy during a really hard time in my life. He was always my shoulder to cry on, and he always made everything better with his hugs. We used to dance, too. He would jump up on his hind legs when he was younger and hold my hands with his paws and dance with me, and it gave him the biggest smile. I love you, Peanut Head. I hope you see Timber and Piggy and Shadow and anyone else up there and have a big welcome home party. I miss you every day until we meet again on the Rainbow Bridge, buddy. Wasn't that wonderful? I just love that. And, you know, the, I, I know a lot of you would probably listen to that and go, ugh, you know, I don't want to listen to that on my Facebook. Ever. <laughs> but 
Um, I found it very touching. Anyway, you know, there's a place, getting back to my uh, interest in doggies, um, there's a place here in Astoria. Actually, there's two. They have two places that are where you take your dog for daycare. And they have, they have a big window you kind of look through. And there's all these dogs. And uh, it's called, what is it called? Dis oh, Disco Paws. Disco Paws. And I go in there to, to either location. There's one on Steinway and there's one on Dittmar's Boulevard. I, I open the door and I, and I just say, I'm just here to see my friends. And they know me. They actually know me, and they uh, they know right where I'm going. I'm going to see the dogs, and uh, they tell me the names of the dogs. And it's, a lot of times, it's the same dogs. Uh, sometimes there are new new dogs in there, and uh, you know, get to watch the dogs and say hi, buddy, and do all that kind of thing. Anyway. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Tom Reads Your Story. Portions were pre-recorded. Tell your friends if you enjoyed your visit today, because we're always looking for new ones. Thanks, Anchor.fm, for the opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. This is Tom Zania. For more information about my availability for your e-learning, audiobook, or commercial project, please visit www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you come back real soon for another edition of Tom Reads Your Story. Good night.